0: Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Monash and today we're jumping into the middle of a conversation that I was having with Mr. George Ross. George, as many of you know, was a co-star of the TV show, The Apprentice. He was Mr. Trump's right-hand man and attorney for close to 37 out of the last 40 years. The man is amazing. He's been an attorney He taught at the the law school at NYU, and this was literally jumping into the middle of a conversation. It was such a magical conversation. I said, George, stop for a minute. Let me turn on the recording so that we have this for the future. And so he stopped, and we picked up right in the middle of the conversation. So with that, here's George. All right, so we were talking about working with John Wiley and Son, and... Um, uh, Trump style negotiation, how that came together. Yes. So when you were, you were teaching this at NYU,
1: and this was your really your course syllabus, right? That's correct. It was my course syllabus, and uh, the, the publisher from Wiley and Sons, which did the, the books for dummies and what have you, said that he would like to look at it, and I showed it to him. He said uh, it's because of the detail that was in there he thought this would make a very worthwhile book. Have to fill in with stories and examples and what have you to give it some substance, but basically, he said would be the the back the backbone of a new book, and he would basically edit it and compose. So we would modify, it. and I said it would it, it would work out fine. That's exactly what we did, and part of what I had done in my pro, in my experience in teaching, where I taught a course for uh, five hours a week, uh, three hours a week for five successive weeks. So it was fifteen hours of Massive instruction, right. so there was a lot that I could do. But at the end of each class, I gave the, all, all of my students, effectively, a problem, a negotiating problem. I said, "Here's the set of facts. What would you do?" And these were difficult problems—the most difficult negotiation situations that I had in my entire career. And I said, "Well, you come up, and then I would grade it. Not that they had to have a grade. It was not this. But I said, if you if you want to do it and you want to get it back to me, I'll edit, I'll look at it and tell you what I think. If you don't, that's perfectly all right. It's voluntary." But this turned out to be something very interesting that could be added to the book because it was something different. Right. In other words, now you're showing not only to the negotiation techniques, but you say what would you do when you had this impossible situation? or looked impossible situation. And I, so, and the answers were there. so we it it, it gave it some uh, interesting, made it a little puzzling as to what they would do with faced with a difficult situation.
0: You know, it's funny what a small world we live in because I've actually run into a couple of folks in New York who actually took your course and they spoke so fondly of what they learned from that and it was unlike anything else that they had learned that was so academic and and this was
1: just real world and they really, really
0: appreciated
1: it. No, it was. That was the whole purpose of it. The purpose of the book and why I think it was so successful is it brought the concept of negotiation and how to negotiate in different, with different people under a different set of facts, so that you would be comfortable at the level that anyone can, could understand. It was not stilted language. It was not. It was not way up in the stratosphere. It was something that they could, they could relate to and say, "Yeah, I can understand that." So this could happen. Somebody could say, "Take it or leave it." What do I do now? And and uh, so it was brought down to a level of negotiation that they would understand and be able to react to. And I think that was the really the success, or the, the basis of success, was something that was e- that they could easily use. It was really something they could learn and use, and it would feel comfortable to them because they were doing it before. It wasn't stilted.
0: Right, right. You know, it's so funny. Obviously, having read the book, and you know, we've talked about negotiation quite a bit over the over the years. Uh, watching, uh, even you know, watching Mr. Trump in the news, I, you know, I'm seeing how he conducts himself, and it's like, oh. That's just straight out of George's book. This is like Chapter 7, you know, n- nice job,
1: you know. It's <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. You can see you can see the, the why or how why. Yeah, there was no question in doing the book. A lot of it was I could see how he operated and what he did that was successful, but based on my background of having done so many negotiations and so many different individuals over such a period of time that I could now uh, uh, put it all together in an intelligent fashion so that somebody could get the benefit of all of my experiences.
0: You know, one of the things that, that I've really learned from you and, uh, and, and others, but, but in particular from you, is this concept of maintaining your, the negotiating leverage. One of the things that I see a lot of people do, that do very successfully, in particular Donald, is to maintain a level of unpredictability. And when you do that, people don't know how to play you.
1: They don't, because they don't, they don't know. You're not acting in a, what they would consider to be a normal fashion. So when you, when you reject what they, what they think is totally normal, they don't understand it. When you accept something that's abnormal, they don't understand. They can't deal with you because you're so unpredictable. So now they're trying to figure out where you would be because you have, they don't know where you would be, be from past conduct.
0: Right, right. You know, one of the things that I've always kind of just personally struggled with is when you're unpredictable, of course, that chips away at trust because predictability builds trust. How do you manage those two? How do you maintain your negotiating leverage? and maintain trust
1: well it depends on where you where you draw the line in other words what are you trying to negotiate right so it, is, it so you have to now figure out what it is that i really want and fight for that but i will give in that which is not so critical to me so it's a, it's a question of knowing what battle to fight and to win right and you, you to basically convey that to the other side not necessarily by telling them but pointing them in the direction, so you give them 10 things that they wanted that you didn't care about but you, you get the one that you were looking all along to protect and that's the one that you that you, that you fight and then you tell them look I gave you 10 give me one and uh, so it looks like it's fair but you only you got the one you wanted you gave them the 10 they didn't care about so there's a question now of being able to prioritize what's important to you and it, the other side doesn't usually prioritize the same way you do So as as a result, they're negotiating on things that are not high on your list when they're ignoring things which are high on your list. So the question is, I have to get you to think, to to focus on what I want you to focus on, not what you want to focus on.
0: And that's, that's the art. So putting, you know, if you use the cards analogy, putting cards in your
1: hand that you're willing to discard. Yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And using them as bait. Yes. and as you're fighting for them, I'm not giving you this. Forget it; you'll never have it. And then you give in, right? So yes. now it looks like a big win. You were ready to lose it all the time, but if you if you don't fight for it, they don't. They think they got nothing. But if you fight for it, even though you're not really interested in it, and then when you give it up, you can. It, it looks like you, they've got a big win when they didn't really. They won something that you did that you didn't intend to win anyway. It wasn't important to you, right. but they don't know that because you fought for it.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So it's structure. It's 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 uh, creating atmosphere, which uh, is not necessarily the truth.
0: Right. Well, it's brilliant, and you know, uh, obviously, it's been very successful both for yourself yep. and for the Trump organization. True. So true, true, true.
1: It's been over a period of time, it's successful because it does work. Yeah. But the key is a good ne- when you're negotiating, you have a plan, and if you make a plan and you you, you figure out where I want to be, what are, what's important to me, and then say, okay, here's what I need. How do I get this? And uh, you lay it out and say, well, I can afford to give this or what? Or make changes. So at least you're going in with a game plan, whereas usually the opposite side does not. They do it on an ad hoc basis. This is what came up. Or what you're feeding them. Right. So they relate to what you're feeding them, but you're feeding them what you want them to see. Not really what, you, what, uh, what you're willing to give up on.
0: And so how does that conversation go? Do you question the other side to find out what it is that they really want so that you can figure
1: out how to negotiate with them? That's part of it, sure. Figure out what they think is important. Now, if I know what they think is important, I can put some value on that. Is it something they really have to win? Can I give them part of it? Or at that point, are they just throwing this up because this is what they would like, but it's not critical? So I have to question their motives, what it was, to find out how important it is and why it's important and so that I can put it on, the, on the, the list of do they really need it? Do they really want it? And then say, okay, if I give them one of these, what do I get in return? I need mine. In other words, so I say I'll bargain what you think is important that I'm willing to give because it's not important, but you've got to give me something I think is important, which is important. Right. So it's now swapping things. Something I gave to you. Wasn't me. Mean, was meaningful to me as against you giving me something that is meaningful for me. So I get the ba- the bulk of what I want, and I'm willing to give you the bulk of what you think you want because I don't care about it. It's not doesn't affect the dollars, doesn't affect the transaction. In other words, it's it's relatively unimportant in the overall scheme of the transaction.
0: When you're sitting across the table from somebody, and you know you're trying to size them up, how often do you just treat them as a sophisticated negotiator always, so that no. you don't underestimate them? No.
1: How do you size them up? You know, at this point, you have to, it's it's a question of what you say, how you say it, and what they say. Okay. So one of the things, one of the techniques which I used that I found very successful is that I would ask somebody what they, uh, for an idea of what they think and they would give it to me. And I understood where they were coming from but I didn't want to respond at that time. So I would say, look, I don't, you have to make it clear, I'm not that sharp, okay, so therefore you have to clarify what you want. Can you tell me again what you have in mind? Now, when they look at me, they say, well if i I thought it was clear, if he doesn't understand it, how do I make it so simple that he does understand it? So now they rescript it very often they would never they would rescript it be entirely different or slightly different now. If I liked the second version better than the first, I worked from that. If I liked the first version better than the second, I would say, hey, that's not what you said before. And in the meantime, I have the opportunity to think about how I'm going to respond to something I wasn't ready to respond to or I didn't want to respond to, or it looks like I thought about it carefully and all I was doing was in the interim, I was figuring out exactly what I would say and how I would say it so that they were a little caught off guard. Right. But very often I could win something because they just gave it the second time around because I thought I was stupid. <laughs> One of the things you talk about in the book um, are, are nibblers.
0: Yeah, talks a little bit about that.
1: Nibbles. Well, nibbles apart, that's that's really a cultural thing. Yes, uh, more than anything else, where somebody figures I got to get something, something. Even at the end, I got to get something more. It's a, it gives them satisfaction. So, understand most many cultures is that you have to be prepared. Am I going to take a stand and kill the deal or, or indicate that I am totally intransigent on making any changes, or can I give them something that makes them feel they've won something, even though it's relatively minor? If it's relatively minor, you say, oh, you can give it, and they figure they got a big win. It may not necessarily be dollars. It may be dollars or it may be something. So, but that's part of, uh, of a negotiating culture. So do you keep something in reserve just in case? If you have it, if you can. Sometimes you do your own nibbling. Right, right. So they ask you for something. You say, well, you've got to give me this. So I'd say, well, yeah, I can do that at that point. So, uh, yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you more money, but you've got to give me more time to pay it. So I, I swapped time to pay as against giving the money, which is effectively the use of the money for a longer period of time.
0: Right. Time is money. Yeah. Right. I love it. Well, George, thank you, as always, for the conversation. This You're is welcome. Awesome. And uh, we'll talk to you again on our next call. Great. I hope so. Awesome. Thanks, George. Wow, what an amazing conversation. You know, one of the things that I love about George is the depth of his insight. He's such a master when it comes to negotiation and I guess that's why he's written two books on the topic. What I find particularly fascinating is you can see what he's talking about playing out in the political arena. When you watch what's happening in the news, when you watch what the president is doing, for example, around some of the trade negotiations, it's almost like it's directly out of George's book. It's fascinating to watch. And yet many people are just reacting to it as if it was outrageous when in fact all it is is a negotiation. As soon as you understand that, the temperature comes way down. It just just becomes normal. It's fascinating to watch. I hope you learned something from this. George had some real gems to share with us today. And I learned a lot. I think you will do if you're paying attention. In the meantime, have a spectacular weekend. Make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.